podcast, Johnson. Listen here, see? It's time for... Guns! Games! Cigarettes! Uh, so, hello. Uh, welcome to Guns, hey. Games, Cigarettes. Uh, I am Scott. This is Bill. Hey. This is uh, one of the many podcasts we do this time focusing on film noir. Yes. The kind of classic period of cinema. Uh, and if you have not tuned in before, we basically pick a movie, uh, preferably one that the other one maybe hasn't seen. Uh, seems to be working out pretty well like that. Yeah. Um, Surprise, I've actually had back-to-back ones, my choice, that you hadn't seen. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we go through it. We go through what the movie's about. We go through the stars of the movie. We go through what we liked, what we didn't. Uh, we make fun of them sometimes. So if this is your favorite movie ever, um, you might not like every moment of the show. But uh, but that's what we do. On with the show. What'd you, what'd you uh, pick? It was your choice. Yeah, so I picked... Uh, you know, a classic. Um, sometimes we pick slightly more obscure, but this is a classic, Sunset Boulevard, uh, Billy Wilder's 1950. Um, it falls under film noir, although it's it's a bit of everything. I mean, it has comedy, it has drama. It melodrama. Definitely, <laughs> melodrama, yeah. It has, uh, it has a gun. It does. It has, uh, it has a dame. It has plenty of cigarettes. Oh, tons of cigarettes, yes. Including an amazing cigarette holder that I kind of want. Um, (laughs) Is it a ring finger one? Ring finger cigarette holder, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this is Sunset Boulevard, uh, starring Gloria Swanson. and um, Amazing. She was amazing in this. Yeah, Gloria Swanson uh, as, as Norma Desmond and William Holden uh, as Joe Gillis. Other folks in it. Uh, including, uh, I love the cameo by Jack Webb, uh, kind of a young. Was oh, that Joe Friday? Yeah, way pre-Dragnet Jack Webb. For a second, I was like, is that Alfalfa? <laughs> I don't. Uh, Artie Green in the movie. His friend Artie yeah. Green is Jack Webb. Uh, and also, um, I do love the the, play, the card players, the bridge players. We're going to oh, get yeah. Hedda Hopper, who is the old gossip columnist, uh, and Buster Keaton. Yes, but then uh, the so other gentleman yeah. was the uh, the pharmacist from It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. Yeah, whose name yeah. I can't remember, but uh, that's a H.B. Warner. Oh, okay. Yeah, I played Mr. Gower in It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Uh, and a, of course, Cecil oh, B. DeMille in the movie. Oh yeah. Yep. Now we're going back to is it uh, Gower for a second? There was a, I read there was a deleted scene in this where he uh, he slaps the character of Gillis in the ear and it makes it bleed. Like a callback, yeah, because uh, yeah. you know he was he was delivering pharmaceuticals for him at the time, and he yeah you know, found he found he realized he was drunk because his he found out that his his son had died, and he he gave, almost gave someone poison. So this is I I mean I'm kind of glad they cut it because it's such a departure from the movie. It is yes, like out of nowhere, very, all of a sudden you have a side with old man Gower. Yeah, <laughs> but they they still they still hug at the end, and you know he realizes. Yeah the fault of his ways this is what this is four years after it's a wonderful life and he looks so much older in it's a wonderful life so good job I, whoever did the makeup yeah. <laughs> it's a 
He definitely looked uh, a little more haggard. He was also wearing a uh, a nice suit in this, and he was dressed like a drunk yeah. pharmacist in that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. I loved uh, Buster Keaton though in this. I thought that was that's. A oh yeah, quick, I didn't. I didn't really until after the fact. Yeah, and I love he's just like this kind of like, like yeah. Oh, they're both like he looks. There's he like does like a look like huh when they when he's Gillis is asking for money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, so this movie starts off with uh, a narrator, right? You oh, find you find out it's Joe Gillis, but it starts yeah. off with the swimming pool scene. Well, even before that, it's the opening credits. I thought the were opening pretty cool. credits. Yeah, they were great opening credits. They do the nice kind of um, not full on Star Wars tilt, but kind of. Yeah, and I'm moving, but yeah, they used like the. I don't know if they, if they didn't have if that was the street sign back then, as opposed to like what we have the green and white traditional now, yeah. on the uh, painted on the curb. It just pans out, and it's like a. A dolly or a car, just. So I know that they had the option of making this in color, like it was given to them. Oh. Uh, but they opted for black and white to kind of keep it in the noir style. Um, and I can't imagine this being in color. I don't think it would be as good. I wonder. If they, I wonder if they chose to do that too, for the fact that it was a uh, old time. Old, 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 you know the, uh, the the forgotten silent era star and right. Uh, give that more of that vibe maybe who knows i think it was a good move though either way i think billy wilder didn't make a lot of bad moves uh, yeah he has a pretty consistent track record of being amazing so he did write uh, this movie yeah he did he did okay so um yeah opening credits are, are fun uh nice opening credits i love the soundtrack to this movie it's kind of all over the place depending on the character yeah. as well kind of like uh uh, more dance, slow dance music for her. More kind of bebopping kind of music for him. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do like that quite a bit, actually. That it varies. Um, but but the movie does start off with the narrator. Now, I know in the in the original original version that was never released, they cut it. Um, the opening scene is a narration. Is Joe Gillis talking about his story, right? Yes. Um, but it's <laughs> it's cadavers in a morgue. And it's a it's a bunch of cadavers talking to each other about how they died. Oh, and it's Joe starts to talk about his story, and okay. apparently the test audience thought it was very funny, and they weren't sure how to continue it because the movie starts going. They're like, "Is this a comedy? Is this not <laughs> a comedy? Like, what is this?" Okay. Uh, so because it was kind of deemed a little too comedic to have these wacky cadavers talking to each other, they. Yeah. Re- they redid it. Was it was it all like voiceover narration, or were they actually like becoming? No, like... I, yeah, I think it was like 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 um, you know old timey morgue body bags. Okay, so and what are you just... in for? <laughs> kinda, yeah, like like how do you die? You yeah, know, yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so I like this. So this was uh, it cuts to the to him talking about you know you're gonna hear the story yep. of, a, of a man, uh, screenwriter, and it goes. And the police are showing up at this old tiny mansion. It's it's I thought it was called the Homicide Squad, but the, they have the press with them. Yeah, come along, I, guys. It was very common back, especially old Hollywood. I mean, now you have the paparazzi. Yeah, uh, I think then you had paparazzi too, but the paparazzi were much smaller, and they were actually kind of invited along to things by the police. Is, yeah, I think you would have someone. Like someone in the paparazzi would be like assigned to the homicide squad, but because they weren't obnoxious like they are now, and there'd be three million of them, yeah, 
you would have a couple, and you might give a scoop to one or two of them. Oh, okay. Them, them along. Sorry to get off topic for a sec. Do you ever have you seen Nightcrawler? Yeah. Do you like yeah, it? Great. I liked it a lot. Me too. Yeah. I just yeah. that made me think of that. That's all. Okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was yeah, excellent. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Um. So the police show up, and you know the the narration goes over. Well, they're, they're talking over while the police show up, and it goes to the amazing shot. I always love the shot oh, of, the, the of the body in the pool. Yeah. Um, so they, like, apparently, they tried shooting it from underneath, and it just wasn't working. Um, so that shot is actually shot from above using a mirror at the bottom. Oh, weird. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, came out good, though. It did. Uh, and Very it, good. It's been parodied a few times. I've seen it in a couple different things. There's an episode of. Uh, of American Dad, where st- the, the episode starts off with the character of Steve lamenting what's what's happened to him, uh, his his excesses, and it's him uh, floating in a pool of Jello, and it's <laughs> shot it's shot from below like that. Though. Yeah, uh, but yeah, a couple other things. It's, a, it's such a great shot though. So you have a dead guy uh, in the pool, a bloodless because it's 1950 dead yeah. guy floating in oh, the, the pool. Oh, the chlorine just took it all away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 1950 chlorine. Yeah. Much stronger than today's. Very yeah. strong. That's you couldn't true. tell his, his eyes were very bloodshot. You know, <laughs> More like a bloody bleach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you come to six months earlier, and you have uh, Joe Joe Gillis uh, in his little apartment hacking things out, right? Yeah, he's explaining how he's got all these original ideas, but not original enough. Yeah. That's one thing I like. I didn't... I, Noted some quotes, but there's like like lots of really good dialogue. Whether he's narrating it or just oh, uh, yeah. talking to people, yes, yeah, that's full. The of whole, chock the full of this. This is one of the best dialogue movies I think ever. Yeah, it, it is just nonstop patter, and it's it's unbelievably good, unbelievably yeah. tight. There aren't any lines where you're like, eh. like they're all very. Very concise. They could be really biting when they want to be, or like if someone tried that today, it would probably be like, oh, this is all very cliche. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But then it was like, oh, oh. Yeah. You know, you expect a couple of couple of good ones here and there in these movies, but this was, yeah, it's very consistent. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And there's a lot, and there's a lot of classic lines that you know you might recognize as the movie goes on, right? And you're like, oh, oh that's where that's from. <laughs> so like, like what she calls from Max. Max, right? That one? Yeah, that oh, one. When when someone just says hello to someone. Class, <laughs> classic hello in this movie. Cla- that's a classic 50 <laughs> hello. Yeah, I, I made note of a, a few. So we'll see how uh, how famous they probably really are. So this is... Um, so he's in the apartment, and I know also this was filmed at um, an apartment area uh, of Hollywood. I've actually been in front of this apartment Oh, um, in Hollywood because it still it, exists. It's on, yeah, it's on the way to the Hollywood sign. So if, okay. you're, if you're if you're walking up the boulevard there towards the Hollywood sign, you're going to pass this apartment, and it was um, it was filled with screenwriters like back at back at this day. Um, okay. So they so they filmed it there because it's why not? <laughs> like and when you when you went by, did you like go in? Did you like kick the door in? Yeah. And they're like, hey, but you're like, but Gillis lived here. I just I just sat outside. I was like, Joe, Joe, yeah. <laughs> I know you're dead, but can yeah. you hear me? I didn't. I, I don't think I even realized at the time that's what it was. Oh, um, I know I had seen this movie, but I wasn't really thinking about it when I was down there. We were, I was just that far up the street. 
Yep. But if you look at the shot of where it's at, I've been there. I've walked by it for sure. All right. But um but yeah, so you have um you have the the guys come into Repo's car. Oh, they like what they the the, the accent. We got a court order. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Just these two tough guys come in to get his car, and he's like, "Well, you know, what car?" <laughs> oh, yeah, he plays it out great. <laughs> but it, it turns out that uh, he's had he has his car hidden in the back of a shoe shine. Yeah, that's one of the things. What I like to say, the tough guy talk is, you know, they're gonna be back tomorrow. Better be there tomorrow. There'll be fireworks. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, was it like a was it like a shoe shining station with the parking lot? I think yeah, something yeah. Like yeah. Shushan rents part of the building or something. Yeah. But um but he has his car. So then he takes it and uh and he goes to the pr- a producer that he knows. Yep. To see if he has anything he can sell him. And he's talking about a story that's like a baseball story that sounds terrible. Yeah. Uh, and of course they get to the name and it's called Bases Loaded, which is yep. just like the story it's hacky. And he knows it's hacky. But he wants to make money. Hacky's what sells, as we know. Yeah. Um, so he's trying it, and then uh, and then his assistant, or his, not his assistant, but his script reader, yep. uh, Betty Schaefer, uh, comes in because she's she's bringing him a copy of the script to remind him, <laughs> and she, and then she goes, you know, but I wouldn't bother. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, and why? She explains it's terrible. So he, of course, introduces her to the author. Yeah, unaware that he's right behind her. Yeah, and that was pretty great. I love it. She said something along the lines of, uh, "I wish there was a like a hole that I, I could drag myself into, something like yes. that." Yeah, pretty um, harsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> he's not happy. That <laughs> she's kind of blasted this away. Uh, he begs for kind of any job. He'll do anything. Oh yeah, he, he needs three hundred bucks to get his car paid off. Yeah, and it goes it's like it's like a begging montage kind of, right? Yeah, like but. That. But nothing. Uh, does he go to see his agent at this point? Yeah, on the golf course. On the golf course. Um, and his agent, his agent's like, oh, it's awesome. No, it's great to be like a struggling artist. Yeah, It'll make you work more. Yes. He's like, I could give it to you, but I'm not gonna. And he's just like, fuck, like, I need 300 bucks. Like, you don't understand. And yeah. then uh, he's like, what you need is another agent. So, dope. <laughs> so now he has no agent. Although it didn't sound like his agent was doing it much good, anyways. Yeah. And then, so he's le- he leaves. His car is pretty awesome, by the way. It's a nice car. And he leaves, and he's driving. He's at a light, and he sees the repo man across the street from him. Yeah, he sees them seeing him. <laughs> yeah, and I love he. He'll, I love he puts the sun visor down like it's yeah. gonna help. Yep. <laughs> and then takes off. They do a, a Yui. Uh, and chase them up the street. I mean, I guess I, I felt like uh, Kevin from Black and White Fright watching these cars, making me feel nervous. It was a really <laughs> close call with one of the cars. It when they're was. Doing the turn, they come oh, yeah. really close to nailing another car. It also looks like they come close to just tipping over from like just the heft of the cars too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it is not a tight. We should. <laughs> I should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make just a, a clip of that scene and show it to Kevin to see how uncomfortable he gets about it. You should make like a collage. A supercut. It's terrible car turns, but uh, <laughs> I wondered if they shot this on like an actual like busy street because of the way that those other cars act. Gorilla shooting, they just like didn't tell anyone. Let's just do it. I don't. They don't act like they're in the know. <laughs> like it seems almost like one's about to go. Yeah, maybe like kind of like gun crazy with the bank robbery. Maybe. Maybe who knows? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But uh, but he takes off and then he gets a blowout. One of his tires blows out and he makes a sharp turn up a driveway, 
Um, and they go flying past them because, you know, duh, they yeah. just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you actually hear them going by, duh. <laughs> they drive by doing that. Where'd he go? Yeah. He's a ghost car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he's at the driveway. He sees an old garage. And he thinks, what a great place to hide my car for now. Uh, we're not incorrect, I suppose. And he sees it looks like it's everything's abandoned. He sees like an old house. He assumes no one lives there anymore. Yeah. Uh, oh, which just... which actually is what happened to this house in real life. Um, it was obviously an older house and apparently sat unused for a very long time after this movie was made. And then they finally bulldozed it. Oh, wait, so like they choose it based on the condition it was in? They chose, no, they chose it, I think, just based upon the look of it. Uh, they were able to film it, but after this movie was made, it just went into pff, disrepair oh. for like 10 years. Oh, that's what I'm asking. Like, so it, the house existed before, but it was it was not... It was not uh, inhabited. No, not the time they filmed it. No, and it was kind of crappy to begin with. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I think it was kind of run down. Oh, and okay. Then, well, and then after the movie, it was way more run down. They, they finally, just left it. Okay. Yeah, they finally bulldozed it and did something else with the property. Oh. But um, I think the, the Dupont family or someone owned it. I don't remember the exact. Oh, we can get to it maybe later. But um, okay, so he pulls into the garage and he sees the. This other car, I can't think of the name of it, but man, this other car is just amazing. Yeah, it's like European. Massive. Well, I know they describe some of it later. It has like leopard skin seats and there's a like gold phone inside. And <laughs> and it's just, it's it's old in 1950. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's old. It's an old European car mm-hmm. driving on the right, on the, uh, on the right side. And uh, I, I love this car, but that's the only thing in there. So he parks his car uh, and he's leaving and he gets called over. Someone's calling him from a window in the mansion. And he plays along, goes over like, okay. And then a man opens the door. It's Max, the, the oh, <laughs> boy, you want to call him? He's not servant. Really a, she, she calls him a servant. Yeah, servant. Um, waves him over. And it says, <laughs> one of my favorite lines. Oh, mine too. I'm he, sure we had the same thing. So he, he sends him up upstairs to see this woman that's been calling him. And he's like, I like what? Like she wants to see me? Like yeah, you yeah. know, obviously mistaken identity. He's not supposed to be on the property. Yeah. Uh, so he goes, okay. And he goes upstairs and he's let me know if you need a hand with the coffin. I, 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 if you need any help, you can do it in the accent too. Like, if you need any help with the coffin, call me. <laughs> Which is like it's gonna be fucking anything. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes upstairs and it's a, it's a dead monkey. Well, yes, just, uh, I did that, a chimpanzee. Um, yeah, not much uh, information going on with that dead chimpanzee. <laughs> I just always assumed it was, you know, she was supposed to be a star from thirty years before, and the excesses of the time. I'm sure it was very easy to get a chimpanzee in Hollywood in the twenties. I think she had this thing for a long time in her house. I they lived quite a long time, so it would make sense. Imagine being Max having to take care of that thing, or oh, I would imagine the house is filled with shit all the time, and live in fear of it possibly ripping off her face or genitals. <laughs> Maybe, Ugh. but um, I do. I, I love that. But um, <laughs> oh man! So they quickly realize that he's not there for the chimpanzee. Yeah, and they get into a little back and forth, and it's he recognizes her as Norma Desmond, uh, like an old actress, right? Yeah, uh, and he's getting ready to leave, and she brings up he oh like you're a scriptwriter, huh? And what do you think of this? And she's she's written her own version of, of Salome. 
Yeah. Um, which, of course, is to star her, and it's going to be her big comeback. Yes. Right, it's, it's you, uh, you, you just skip over one of the, I would imagine, one of the prominent lines in the movie, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, God, that's now, a real line. This is like, and it, it happened throughout with her, how she played the role. She like always was like looking down. Oh, like, yes. Having her like, head tilted back and like really like showing her teeth. I think it's kind of like, um, you know, you have the looking down your nose at someone. Oh, no, that's that's what I got from it. But she was always yes. the, the, the crazy eyes, too. Oh, and, oh, absolutely. She's been just so good at this fucking movie. Yes, yes. Just her delivery, too, of every line. It's pretty crazy. I think she like the last thing she like did nine years since she had been in a movie too. And this is pretty much the end as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she said she got a lot of copycats. Really, people wanted her to play like a Norma Desmond character, and she's like, "Nope, not interested." Yeah, typecast. Yeah. She just retired. But what a way to go out, you know, Oscar nomination. So. Yeah. Um. So she wrote. She's written a, <laughs> a film uh, script for Salome, and. He looks at it, and it's fucking terrible. Yep. Uh, I expect a kind of crazy lady to write. But um, he kind of... He's a tricker, but he sets her up to basically invite him to rewrite the script. Yeah, because he gets the money. Yeah, he's looking at this as like, well, she's crazy, but she's rich. Yeah. So, you know, I can get a little bit of work out of her, maybe. And uh, she... Quickly invites him to live over the garage. There's an apartment well, over the garage. Well, at first, no, it's to stay over for the night to read the script. And he wakes up the next morning to find all his personal belongings have been brought there by Max. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's right. he's, he's gonna like, stay. He was gonna stay in the garage for the night. Yeah. Yeah, just the night. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Then he wakes up and Max has moved his entire life into the room. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's bullshit. Bullshit. Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. Um, but you know. I think he, uh, he calms down pretty quickly. I think it's what's funny was he does, but what's funny is that like uh, he they have an apartment and she's like, Daddy, you can't like three months back rent and she's like, Don't worry, I paid for it. If she paid for that, why wouldn't she, why did she pay for oh I guess we know why she wouldn't pay for his, his car to not get repossessed later, but because she doesn't want him to leave. Of course, yeah. Because she yeah, she she takes care of his apartment for him that now he can't live in. <laughs> well she wants yeah, she's gonna pay for anything that'll keep him happy in there. Yes. I mean, we don't know that at the time. Right. And you gotta, just, you gotta wonder, because things come out later about who Max is. Yep. Uh, and that she's been married before uh, a couple of times. You're like, was, like, was she always kind of like this? Or has she just become this? I think maybe a little bit from column A and column B, considering Max was part in all of this. Yeah. We'll get to that, though. I mean, he's, he's just feeding her, her ego. Yes. Uh, but yeah, okay, so so they go to work, right? Really? I mean, he, he's working on the script for a little while. Yes. Uh, and I, and I, I may have a couple things out of order scene-wise, but I think for the it doesn't matter so much for the narrative when they're working on the script and he cuts out a scene and throws it oh, in the yeah. basket and she yeah. immediately gets up and walks over. Yep. What's, <laughs> like, what's this? Yeah. Nope. Put yeah. it back. Put it back in there. He's like, all right. He, well, he was like, you know, it was a whole scene about her, and it, it might be a little too much of her. It's yep. kind of his what he's saying, and just like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> you can't have too much of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, it makes sense, I suppose, in her head. 
Yeah. Um, it goes on and on about how popular she is. Oh, she has uh, all the pictures of herself. Oh yeah, no, the house is just ghastly. But I disagreed um, <laughs> a second ago that all the, those pictures were authentic from her actual silent movie days. Sure. Yeah, they watched a movie at one point that's her as well. Yeah, which is yeah. really interesting because it was also like she worked for Paramount at one point in the past. So yeah. it makes sense they could do that. It is, I think it is cool that you could just raise a painting and you have your own private screening room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I think that's precursor to like what people have now, like their their home theaters. Absolutely. No, I'm sure it was a fucking big deal back then. Yeah. Um, yes, her her house. We haven't really described her house because <clears throat> he's in her bedroom early on with the, with the chimpanzee. And it is what you would imagine probably like a, a kind of crazed late silent film star's house might look like. Just over the top everything. Yeah, the the bed was like a boat had like the uh the figurehead yeah. at the end of it. That was weird. And so the bed is actually um it was um like I was gonna say it's a real bed. Of course it's a real bed. Um but it really was a person's bed. It wasn't like a prop. Uh it wasn't made as a prop originally. It was the bed of a French movie star uh, who had died like thirty years before, like silent. Oh. Um, but yeah, this person apparently did actually live with this weird boat bed. I mean, if it's comfortable, why not, right? Yeah, I guess Par- Paramount bought it as a prop. If you ever, uh, you know, had a flood and got to your bedroom, <laughs> you're right. all set. Or, you know, you just wanted to play Noah's Ark or something in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's just lots of things. I mean, it's just filled. It's filled with things. Oh, yeah. Right? Stuff. Yeah. Excess. <laughs> yes. Right. He- well, the excess of someone that probably hasn't left their house much in 20 years. Do you think the chimpanzee slept in there, too, anywhere? Or? I would figure. Didn't have its own room so it could toss its shit around in peace? <laughs> I figured it wore a diaper. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess it would fight it off. Just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Yeah, for like 30 years. I trained it pretty well. I guess so. I don't know. I, that, that's, between, that's between Max and the chimpanzee. Now, do you think that was a real dead chimpanzee? Uh, I don't know. It looked weird. Right? Um, but I don't know what a dead chimp looks like. Yeah, did they? I haven't killed one in so long. I just forget. Oh. <laughs> now, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was a prop or what, but... It looked a little mummified, but it did if... look... It looked, like, real. I was wondering, I'm wondering if, if they, like, that. found... They got one that was, had been taxidermied and used right. it for the movie. Which is extremely unhealthy to be get that close to, probably, and touching, because especially old ones, is full of bad shit. Drift leaking formaldehyde. Yes. I, I like the, uh, you could tell, though, because the arm falls out. Uh, so. Yeah, because at the, first I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> the little chimp arm falls out. Um, oh, and I think we actually skipped over the first night he looks outside and they're burying the chimp. Oh, yes. In the, in the, well, like, the guy, the mortician, shows up and he has the, like the child coffin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they, just, they had the, he describes it as being a dignified affair. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, thoroughly freaked out because he, he also looks out and he sees like the old tennis court and then the pool, the rats in it, and he's like grossed out by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's run down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I sidetracked myself this time. Mm. Where, where were we at? We're going through the house, I think. Uh, Got to describe all the photos. Yeah, and then, but they uh, they were watching one of her old films. I don't, I don't think they're watching it yet. Uh, but we, but I don't know the order of things. So again, we can oh, certainly bring right, it up. We have the same order as me that, you know, he, okay. he wakes up and stuff's there, and then he agrees you know, he'll stay and do it. 
and then it goes it, to them watching the movie. Yeah, time, time has passed. passed. But because yeah. he's also getting like weirded out how like when they watch the movies, he like holds his arm or his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So she watches the movie. Max does the projection. Yep. Um, and the movie that they watch is an old Gloria Swanson movie. And it, um, it apparently hadn't actually ever been released. Oh. Not not properly. And it wasn't properly released for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 where they got the bit for the movie from, I, I don't know. I wonder if she had a choice them. in that. She had what? Or if she had a choice in, in which movie they could. <laughs> maybe. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. I, it's a great shot in the movie. It's really interesting to see a young Gloria Swanson pitted against um, current day. Gloria Swanson watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It is kind of strange um, how they are like melding actual reality within this yeah. movie too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and of course, Gloria Swanson was not like this character. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I'm sure it was a little weird for her as well. Just playing kind of a nut. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. And then they go. Uh, she takes some clothes shopping. Oh yeah, uh, and we uh, get what seems to be our obligatory uh, thin mustache man. Oh yeah, guys are creepy. It's such a close up uh, too. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With oh. this weird rubber lip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it's shot in the car where they're going for a drive. He oh. he's kind of complaining about being cooped up. Yep. So they go for a drive in the car, and she calls Max from the back. Yep. 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 <laughs> to the front using their little car phone. But he's uh, also like, must you chew gum in the car? And he's like, all right. Yes, very uh, school, very motherly. It's like, almost like a, a kind of a, like a version of um, what's is it, Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, kind of. Although I figured he just doesn't want to lose the gig as well, you know. Yeah, but he's sacrificing his like morals to do so. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm sure that becomes easier to do, though, the more you do it. So Yeah, but he, like most of the time, though, he's still like very bothered and just like, eh, about the whole thing. <laughs> right. Like, barely yes. tolerating it. It's true. Yeah. Excuse me. So um, so they go, yeah, they go buy him clothing. And I think but that's that we skipped a little part with the, the card game. They play. This is where the card game. Oh, it was before that. Okay. Uh, yeah, because at this point, you know, he's still, it's still to him a total business transaction. Right. You know, he's staying there and he's like trying to ask her, like, can I actually have, get, get paid, please? Well, yeah, because the repo men show up. Yes. Alex is actually kind of, kind of helpful towards him at this point. Yeah, they says he's not there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he kind of calls him over and says, hey, I mean, at this point, his job is to empty the ashtray. Yes. He's just kind of sitting around while Norma and her old timey friends play bridge. Yep. And he empties the ashtray for them. <laughs> Fun. Um, ugh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Max tells him there are men looking for you. And then he, he tells Norma, like, I need, I need to talk to you now. Yeah. I need, I need to get this money now. And she's like, oh, can it wait? Blah, blah, blah. And <clears throat> they tow his car. Yep. They, get his, they tow his car away. Um, and then she she does go outside afterwards. Oh, it, it's 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 like it's like in the process of being towed. She's like, "Oh, what do you need?" Yes, right. Yeah, I don't know. Norma. Oh, what time? Uh, yeah. But he stays. 
Yep. So, and, then, and then after that is they go in the car ride and then go to the suit store. Yeah. Which mustache. He doesn't want her to buy anything for him, uh, but she buys some, like, you know, expensive clothing, including a tux. Yes. I love that. And he's just like, tails! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she says he's going to need it for New Year's. Yep. New Year's Eve. Uh, which, New, Year's, yeah. New Year's party. Most like, yes. the saddest New Year's party. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we cut, we cut pretty much not long after that to New Year's Eve. Well, uh, after that, though, he gets moved into the main house because the, of the leaks oh, in, the, in the, where yeah. his room of the garage. And he so gets moved and into he, one of her old husband's. Yes. Rooms. Right, right next, right next to hers. But in doing so, like he's like, how come none of the doors have locks on them? Yeah. Max explains how they and like anything that could cause her to do harm to herself, mm-hmm. she's be suicidal sometimes. Yeah. But he also hints that, um, well, kind of heavily hints that he's the one who's doing the fan mail oh yeah yeah he basically tells her tells him but then denies he told him <laughs> like a second later is it just don't look too close to the the uh what is it the um the, 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 the postage stamp, like the stamp or whatever the... yeah like the from address basically yeah yeah uh yeah yeah, yeah. oh boy uh, but yes no doorknobs on anything that's fun yeah it's... uh but he yeah. is in this fucking amazing room God damn, this house. It Love is nice. But, she, uh, but that she could just, if he's taking a shit, she could just burst in on him anytime. It's kind of weird. Well, like the eyes and the look. Taking a shit in his room? Yeah. <laughs> old timey. The old timey beds with the toilet hole right in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I think that's how he realizes that when he opens the bathroom door, there's like no knob, and that's when he's like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but New Year's Eve, right? Yep. Uh, where he, he goes downstairs and there's a nice little dance floor that has been redone and a nice spread. Yep. A little a little bit live band playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max is standing there serving drinks. There's like a yeah, like a tons of like a giant cake. Oh yeah. And she oh. calls him over and they they start dancing and he asks what other people are showing up and what other people? Yep. <laughs> there are no other people. Yeah. It is just the two of them. Isn't this wonderful? Mm, great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they get into kind of an argument. Oh, yeah, he's... Yeah, he's... What's the best way to put it? Like, he's kind of like, sick of it. Right, yeah. basically? He's sick of his shit. Like, his, uh, how yeah. he's like kind of trapped there. And Well, he also like, re- he realizes, too, at this point, that she loves him. Well, that, does she say as much? <laughs> I mean, it's the way she's hanging on him. It's New yeah. Year's Eve. Being close to him, yeah. Yeah, and just the way she's kind of pressing herself into him. Yeah. He knows. Yeah, but I, I do like that. She does say things. I can't think of specific lines, but, I mean, she does kind of insinuate that she's in love. She just yells, she points in his face and yells 69. <laughs> As was the style at the time. <laughs> um, I like how she, uh, she, you know, she gets mad at him when he's, you know, no thanks, and she slaps him, but the band just keeps playing anyways. Oh, and then she goes running upstairs. Yeah, the band yeah. keeps playing. This I'm band sure does that, not stop. I'm sure they're getting paid very handsomely to just play music no matter what. Oh, I would figure, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she goes upstairs, and he's like, I've had it. And yep. he grabs his coat, and out he goes. Yep. And he goes, to, he goes to find his friend Artie Green, who he's mentioned before, but we've never seen. 
Yes. So you just uh, uh you just wrapped, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mention before, by the way, when they're on their drive. Oh, unless this happens later. They stop by Schwartz Pharmacy. That's, that's later. Is it later? Yep, it's later. Hmm. Got the yeah. notes. Okay, cool. Um, so um he goes to Artie Green's house. Artie's having a New Year's party. I like it first. He's like walking in the pouring rain trying to hitchhike, and people are just like, Happy New Year, and keep going. <laughs> yeah. He gets yeah. around. He does, yes. Um, so he goes to Artie Green's, and Artie Green is uh, Jack Webb. Super uh, friendly guy. I mean, Jack Webb, I, I really know him mainly from Dragnet, and he wasn't a happy guy in Dragnet. No, he's all, he's, he's all smiles at this. He's much. He's not even that much younger. Dragnet's like six years away. He, he didn't age very well, or they did something to him. I don't know. He looks like he's twenty years younger and happy. I don't know what happened in between <laughs> these years to poor Jack Webb, but uh, <laughs> he's he's seen some shit in between. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, but he's super psyched to see him. Uh, and that's all all good, and he introduces himself to his fiance, who is. Well, I think it was his girlfriend at the time. I don't know if they were engaged. Yeah. Oh, maybe yet. not fiance, yeah. It's Betty. Uh, Betty, who was the screenwriter that insulted yeah. him at the beginning of the movie. Uh, <laughs> but she does tell him that she wants to talk to him because she's but she looked at some of his other things. Yep. His other scripts, and she found she found this little piece yep. in the middle of one that she's interested in talking to him about. Like, maybe, like this one? She's like, no, except this part. Yeah. Um, and he's not really interested, like at all. Well, at this yeah, point. but they like they go to talk. It's, they happen to sit in the bathroom because it's the only place he he wanted to use a phone too, and he couldn't. Yes, I love that the the, the girl on the phone is just doing the outrageous laughter. Yeah, what what could they be listening to? Possibly, I, I don't I no no. She has a phone to her ear, just like ah, just like dying laughing. Um. But yeah, so, so they, someone they being murdered, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> the dialogue between between him and her, though, in this room is great. It is. Um, and then they start; they could start doing kind of like a performance piece, playing off each other. They do, but at the same time, it almost seems like they're pushing it too far. Because Artie's oh, like, "Where go with the girl?" And you're like, "Oh, don't worry about it." Oh, absolutely! Yeah, they almost kiss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really. And he, he does, uh, he gets to the phone and he calls and he wants Max to box up all of his stuff, get all his stuff ready. Someone's going to come over and pick it up. He's done. Yeah. And Max says he can't do that. He doesn't have time. Something's happened to Miss Desmond. Yeah. Uh, and then he explains that she tried to kill herself. Yeah, I found a razor in his room. Yes, right. Which is even worse, right? Yeah. Um, so he goes racing back. He just leaves. The party. He's like plows through people to get out too. Oh yeah, Artie actually yells after him. Yeah, like, like clearly it's like something's wrong. So yeah. he goes tearing out of there, goes back. She's all bandaged up. She tried to slit her wrists. I was thinking for a second there might have been a fake out to get him to come back. Yeah, I don't think so. But no, 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 because no, no. I was thinking like just that was what they were. That was their plan yeah. to get him to come back. But then see the doctor. Like, oh, a doctor's leaving. So nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. She slashed her wrists, but you know, you got to look which way was she slashing, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, but um, she actually but did no, it on, she... on the top of her wrist. Yeah, that's right. But she's all bandaged up and sad. She's all sedated. It looked like you know. Yeah. Um. 
but he comes in, sits with her for a bit. And you can tell, I mean, I think he has feelings for her, not maybe in a romantic way. Yeah. But, you know, he's kind of, he's grown fond of her somewhat. Yes, he does. He feels very guilty. Yeah, she's overbearing, but he's still fond of her. Yeah. So, so he's kind of back. Yeah. <laughs> At this yeah, point. He's like, he's like, shit. Yeah, pretty <sighs> much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's when she says she loves him, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And you don't know, though, like, is this the, is the drugs talking or? Right. She's, she's pretty out of it at that point. Um, but that's okay. It kind of is what it is. Um, so it gets into the conversation where she wants to get the script now over to Paramount. Yeah. Script's ready. Send it over to Paramount. Well, they want to send it that day because of something with the uh, the signs. So, or oh, like the horoscopes are right. That's right. That's right. But she wants it to go right to Cecil B. DeMille. Yep. Because she knows him, because they've done movies together, you know, 30 years before or whatever, 20 years before. So she has Max deliver the script over to Paramount. Um, and she starts getting phone calls. She gets phone calls from Paramount. Yes. But she refuses to talk to anyone unless it's DeMille. Yes. But I don't yes. want to glaze over that when she gets the, the first phone call and it's not him. She's like performing for yes. Gillis. She yes. Does the, she does the Charlie Chaplin Oh yeah, that's before that. Okay, yeah, try to try to entertain him. Yeah, and he's, he's bored out of his mind on the sofa. He's like, "Oh no, it's great. Get do more." Yeah, yeah, that's a little weird. It's very weird. Yeah, she's, she's she's oblivious. She's like, "Oh, this is grand," or whatever she says. You know, it's. I mean, she does look okay, Chaplin. She does. Yeah, a little weird. And it's, it's, the whole hey, thing was so awkward, though. You know what it always reminded me of? Again, I've seen this movie a, a few times over the years, and there's a scene in, in uh, I think it's The Year Without a Santa Claus, the one of the old stop-motion Christmas, yeah. the Rankin Bass, yep. where Mrs. Claus dresses up like Santa Claus. Okay. I, like, I haven't seen it for a long time. It's the You Could Be Santa Claus song, kind of saying anyone can be Santa. And... It's Shirley Booth doing the voice, and she dresses up like Mr. Claus, so she puts like the big beard on and stuff, yeah. but it still looks kind of like her. That Chaplin thing always reminded me of that scene. It just looked like like it's just this weird, clearly a lady doing Chaplin underneath yeah. it all. And I, I don't know. There's something about the two scenes that always kind of struck me. That's very similar. Huh. But um, but anyways, so yeah, she refuses though. She doesn't want to talk to anyone unless it's to Bill. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I, like I, and she's like, I figure what she's and I and I won't like to, like and I won't give in or something. And like the narration it like dissolves to them in the car, and like it's like two days later she gave in because like, they're on their way to the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but and she's then, she's just basically saying like she made Paramount. Yeah, you know. So she yes, also, she also mentions like that she uh, put on like a pound of makeup. Like yes. some kind of a comment about that, which I thought was yeah. pretty funny. Like a little dig. Yeah. It's her 1929 Asada Fraschini is the car, by the way. Ooh. Um, and it's the, this is one of the nicer scenes, I think, because you, you get them going to the gate, and Max is just like, let, let us in. Yeah. Like, and he's like, let us in. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like, let us in. Like, it's like no time has passed. Don't you know who this is? And um, one of the old gatekeepers recognizes her. 
Or she calls him, I think. Yeah. Like, like hey, I think it's Jonesy, I think. Yeah, I think um, so, yeah. And calls him. He's, like, so excited to see her. Uh, but everyone kind of is. I think, you know, she's like a legend. Yeah. Who's been reclusive as well. And then you have a frantic phone call to Cecil B. DeMille, who's on set. Yes. Uh, warding him that she's on the set. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, you know, he's trying to be nice. Yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty gentlemanly so, about it. So this is a nice scene, I think, where she comes in and she's acting every bit the movie star as if no time has passed whatsoever. Yep. Um, and he greets her very warmly and is treating her like a star, has her have a seat. And then everyone gathers around her. Yeah, because uh, she mentions who the person that was trying to call her. Yes. And so he's, he wants to go, he's to lead him, wants to go look into that. And then she's left alone. And then the uh, the old time, like, light, lighting guy is like, oh, remember, it's me up here. And he puts a light on <laughs> and everyone sees. It's like, oh. Right. Yeah, the spotlight goes on her. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, DeMille gets the spotlight called off of her, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he never tells her no. He doesn't. He's, yeah, he can't bring himself to do that. He doesn't actually ever really mention why she's there. He just yeah. kind of walks her out. Yep. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Like, right? so, so good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which yeah. We'll be, in, we'll be in touch. I do like when she like, gets in the car and she's out of earshot. He's like, call that guy back. Like, we'll get another car. I'll buy him five old cars if he wants. Well, they haven't mentioned that. We didn't mention that yet. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we, yeah. Have, so we have the, the, the side thing going on at this point is the Max and, uh, and um, um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Couldn't think of his well, name. Well, there's two sides. They're, they're, going on. Well, they're sitting in the car. Yeah. Yes. Two, two things happen. There's the car. He runs up to the script writing. Yeah. He sees yeah. Betty going into a. Yeah, so he chases her down to talk about writing a script together. Yeah. Well, no, and not that, exactly. He's he was saying like you can have that idea. Yeah. He was he was kind of being nice, but like kind of weird at the same time. She's like, oh, we should write together. It's you know your idea. He's like, no, I'm I'm all set. I'm yeah. trapped. I'm trapped in my life of excess, <laughs> but I, that I hate, but I'm going to do it anyways. Right. But at the same time, people come over to the car Max is in. Yes. And they're like, hey, isn't this that crazy car that we saw like last time? And it turns out that, yes, they're calling not about the script, nope, the one because the they tracked out the car they want to use it in the movie. And DeMille gets he, he gets on the phone with the guy, too, and he explains, oh, we just want to rent that car that she, right. that she yeah, owns. So. so that's what he says. When, when she's leaving, he says, call him. Yeah. He cannot have that car. Yes, like keep her away. <laughs> yeah, which is nice, though, right? I mean, that's well, the way he says it. It's feelings. It, it seems like, but at the same time, he sees it's like probably like to save his own ass from having to deal with her again. You think? He's like, oh, I, yo, because he says like, I'll buy five old cars if I have to. I thought it was to spare her feelings more so than anything. I don't think so. It, it, I didn't get that vibe personally. I could be no. wrong, but no, no, I think it's open to interpretation. Nope, I'm right. <laughs> So now you cut, though, and she's getting ready for a oh, big comeback. The beauty montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, weird yeah. montage. It is a weird montage. She's doing some pretty heavy-duty uh, beauty treatments. God, I wonder if those are all real. Probably. I think it, they're probably really old-timey. Yeah. Like, at one point, they like take, they, she's like laying almost upside down on screen, and 
I didn't even realize it was something on her face at first. I was like, is that like a knee or an armpit? And they take it off her face. Like, Oh, it was, it was, it was like a, like a, like a thick old baseball mitt full of steam on her face. They took it off. Like, yep. Oh man. So there's a, that montage is happening and uh, Joe's working at night. He's sneaking out at night. Yes. And he's going over to Betty's, but they're just writing. That's all they're doing. They're yeah. writing on the script. I think they're getting close, but they're not romantic. Or anything yeah, they're, they're buddies. Yeah, they're writing. Um, writing on, uh, I think I don't know if they're pulling his screenplay out and making it better or an, an original one. I think it was based on his idea, but it's like she had added a bunch of her better ideas to it. I believe. Right, right, right. I, like how, uh, I think it's kind of funny and strange, actually, that he is able to obtain the keys and drive the car out without being stopped. Well, if he, cause, it's just Max. Well, it's just Max. Max is sleeping. I know, but still, if he's supposed to stay there, no, he's not, he's, again. And he's not not found out, by the way. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe Max will let him. I guess so. Because okay. he goes back, he goes back after only a couple of times, and Max is standing in the garage. Yeah, uh, which is awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but he, Max explains who he is a little more. Yes, at this point, and he was a, he describes himself very much like the actor. He was a, he was a director, a promising director, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it, not promising. He was like a respected director. Yeah, like well-known director, and he discovered her. He discovered yeah. Norma when she was a teenager, um, and was her first husband. Dun, dun, dun. And she divorced him, and he couldn't bear life without her. Yeah, super so he weird. Kind of gave up everything to become her servant. Yeah, and, he, and he's just protected her ever since. Yeah, but at what cost? Well, you know, he lives. He lives, but <laughs> um, <laughs> he had to take care of a chimp. And then you have uh, you have Betty and Joe kind of falling in love. Oh, yeah, they're they're up for a walk. Didn't see that happening. Yeah. They go for a walk down the set, which I love. I yeah, love it's fun. Scene. Now yeah. I wonder how if any of that, not like those actual sets, but if like that, but part of the studio exists anymore. Like, does that still there? I would. Doubt it. I mean, I'm sure the land exists, but all the sets are long gone. No, no, no that, that's what I meant. Is it still like a part of the Paramount lot in general for use for anything? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if Paramount moved. I mean, this is 50. God knows what part of the Paramount lot it was on. And you figure that the back then the studios had like vast amounts of land to shoot to film yeah. on. And now yeah. I'm sure they have all downsized. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if they were wherever this is filmed, if it even is anything anymore. Yeah. It's a fucking parking lot. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, And then Norma finds the manuscript that has both of their names on it. Yep. Uh, We also want to mention, too, that uh, Gillis resists the urge to to, uh, become romantic with her. Yes. I think he's already. Because he's not already. Yep. He's like, don't let me get that close again, basically. Yeah, I think he is a moral still. Yes, he does. There's not a lot. It's a struggle, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is great because she tracks down Betty. Yes. And gives her a call at her house. 
Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a funny scene how she. she it's creepy though. Out. Oh, very yeah. creepy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she talks. She's doing that kind of creepy whisper over the phone because she doesn't want to be heard because he's in the house. Yes. But what kind of man he really is? Yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, he's uh, a single man. You can do whatever he likes. That's right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> kind of ridiculous. But uh, I love this because he kind of comes in while she's talking. He hears what's happening. Yes. And he comes in and, and pig, takes the phone from her. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. that, sorry, we skipped something important. Oh. Uh, they're, um, the reason that they're writing so much, Betty and Gillis, is because uh, Artie's away. Yeah. Something else for her. But you know, we, at, at some point, too, I think when Gillis first sees Betty in that script writing room, that's when he finds out that she's engaged to Artie. Yes. And so they're, they're writing this one night and she can't concentrate and she's sad because, you know, Artie's like, oh, you Artie's can come here to film and it's like, it's like $2 to get married. Let's just do it over you know, here. But she's she doesn't want to because she's falling for Gillis yeah. instead. Right. Kind of, this, this is Buck, she's falling out of love with him. Yeah, this is Buck the trend of the other movies we've watched uh, and even some on Black and White Fright where like people fall in love after like 22 hours. Yeah. It actually, right. it's like there's some time to develop the relationship because it starts right. off is they don't like each other really. No, and it's kind of a natural evolution as they work closer and yeah. they have a lot in common and. But so they do. They do kiss here. Yes, and, and then that's when he goes home, and that's when he hears the phone call. Yeah, of Norma calling. And I love it because he grabs the phone. Yep, and he's just like, "Come on over." Yeah, <laughs> basically, like. Yeah, come- sure. Like, come on over and see for yourself. See what kind of man I am. Yeah, but he, but he, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's crazy because he knows what's going to happen. This isn't going to. Yeah, happen. I didn't, ex- I didn't expect it. I was bummed out. So he, uh, she comes over and he explains the reality of the situation that he's getting paid mm-hmm. to like be her companion. Okay. Yeah, paid companion. Yeah, that's yeah, what he is. And that's it. Sorry. Yeah, but she's like, just I forget that I heard any of that. Just let's let's go right now. Like she still loves him too much to. Yeah, but it's also been hinted before a couple times in the movie. He's he's been threatening to kind of give it all up and move back home to Ohio. Yes, he's, he's he says this early on, almost at the beginning of the movie when he hides the car in the garage. That's what his plan is. Yep, that he's done. His script writing is clearly not for him, and he's moving back home to Ohio. Yep. Where he worked at, he worked at like a newspaper, I think it yeah. was. Um, so he basically chases Betty out. He yeah, doesn't want a, her there. It's he, a, that's he, a very sad scene. It is, but I think he's I think he's doing the right thing. Oh no, he's doing it for the right reason. But like, yeah, it's like the it's like not, it's as as an audience, you, that's what, not what you want. Yeah, of course. Like, no, it, it's it's rough. It's actually like, oh god, it's realistic. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is not the happy ending that you thought they might have. Oh, not at all. Um, but yeah, so he kind of chases chases her out of it basically by saying he's like he's fine, he's happy the way it is, and blah blah blah. Yeah. But he's chasing her out, so she'll go back to Artie, which yes. is what he, um, what he knows should be. Yeah, it's for the best. Yeah, uh, but. She leaves and he turns on Norma like immediately. Like, yeah. your script is shit. Your fan mm-hmm. mail comes from Max. You're full of crap. Yeah, keep all your stuff. I don't want any of this stuff. Yeah. And by the way, fuck you. I'm leaving. Yeah. 
and he's going to go back to Ohio. Like he's going to, so he starts packing up his shit, excluding anything she ever bought him. Yep. Just his original things, which is, I love, I love it. He takes off all the jewelry, puts everything down. Yeah. Like he almost leaves him. He sees he has one cufflink. He's like, ah, and like goes back to take it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's threatening to kill herself, and she has yeah. a gun. He's like, that's between you and yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she shows him the gun, though. Like, I'll do it. Like, I'll she's holding it in both hands. See? See? Yeah, yeah I'll do it. Huh. Uh, and as he walks out of the house, she shoots him in the back. Yeah. He takes Twice. the first shot pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, gonna keep shoots going. Him, <laughs> shoots him in the back. He spins, shoots him again. Yeah. And he falls into the pool. Yep. That we saw at the beginning. Uh, I and would then... have loved it if you could have pulled off a cannonball. What <laughs> <laughs> a nice touch. Just fuck you, Norma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but this ends the flashback. This has all been a flashback because we've been hear- hearing the narration yep. throughout. Which, by the way, the narration was used, was used to just such great effect. It was. Throughout this movie. Sometimes you get a narrator and you're kind of like, eh. Okay, at, fir- at first, I was like, okay, they just, they just set up with this one one narration like oh it's gonna keep going but it's like oh I'm, I'm glad it kept going because it worked yeah out. it did yeah it was, it was like color commentary yes that kind of went which which worked really well but um but the flashback's over now we're back to the beginning with the police rushing into the house yes and um you have the reporters and <sighs> she thinks that the newsreel people are there to like film her oh like, she's, as a star. Yeah, she's gone she's gone she's gone um uh, and basically, they play along. Max plays along. Max sees what's happening. Yep. That she has lost touch with reality. Um, and he actually shouts action. Yes. Uh, and she starts to play. And so she, like how everyone stays quiet and still and like lets her walk yep. down. She does that amazing d- descension down the sta- staircase. Yeah. The staircase is awesome. Uh, and then she talks. She gives. Like a little talk about how happy she is to be back, mm-hmm. um, and all of that, and then of course the classic scene with the uh, "All right, Mr. Demille, I'm ready for my close-up" as she yeah. walks closer to the camera, which is with that weird kind of hand motion. Yeah, she Rich. does, and, and looking again, uh. <laughs> and it kind of does kind of like, not quite wavy, but she's clearly lost her fucking mind in the way. Yeah. Filmed it was really good, and it, it, and, and it goes into like a soft, like focus dissolve before the end. Yeah, too weird. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's good. We don't actually actually learn what happens to her, but you assume she's in a nice padded place somewhere. I'm assuming she just like kept walking past the, like out the door and just they, they let her go. <laughs> she's still wandering around out there somewhere. Like the, like the police captain's like, give her a 15 minute start, boys. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, maybe. Never know. So that was uh, the story of Sunset Boulevard. <coughs> oh, excuse me, I mean a cough right in your ear. I apologize. Was, still there? Uh, I'm here. Yes, no, I was just reading about that particular scene. It wasn't the final scene that they shot for the movie, but when she finished it, she broke into she burst into tears, and the crew applauded. And it's, even, ah. it was, even though it wasn't the last scene filmed, Wilder threw a party for her as soon as the shot was finished. Huh. Very nice. So I know, so so a couple things of the movie. Um, uh, so Brackett, uh, this guy Brackett, uh, was one of Wilder's partners. Okay. Billy Wilder's partners. They wrote together. Yes. 
So he wrote this with them. It was the last movie they wrote together. They had some kind of split, and they neither one would ever talk about it. Oh. That's what happened. But they never, ever talked bad about each other. Interesting. Like, it's weird. Something happened. Bitter respect? <laughs> something, yeah, something happened, but neither one would ever talk about what it was. Oh, okay. Um, but according to Brackett, uh, he said that, that they'd never considered anyone except Gloria Swanson. Like, this was written for her. It's, it's interesting since so much time had passed and she had been in a, a movie prior to that. Billy Wilder's like, eh, it's not true. <laughs> so he said that he wanted Mae West. Oh, okay. And Marlon Brando. Oh. Which you could see 50, 1950, Marlon yeah, Brando. Yeah. Um, but he never actually bothered contacting either. Um, they went to Greta Garbo. Okay. She didn't want to do it. Um, uh, Pola Negri, whose bed it was. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, they couldn't understand her. Because her accent was so thick. <laughs> um, Norma Shearer rejected it. Uh, Fred McMurray was considered for Joe, Wait, but he had done. Um, he would have done Double Indemnity. Oh, okay, yes. Which is also Billy Wilder. Okay. So they worked together. Um, Mary Pickford, old movie, movie silent movie star, <laughs> um, and then Montgomery Clift. That sounds uh, familiar. So Wilder asked George Cooker, um, who director, and he suggested Swanson. Okay. Uh, because it, I guess Sw- I don't know why she has like a fi- obviously she has that affect in this movie, but if you see anything else with her, she does not. She doesn't talk like. like Come over here, see, kind of yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, it's obviously played up for this character, but she really did have a hard time coming from silent movies into the talkies. Uh, and I don't know why. Couldn't, couldn't tell by this movie. Right. I, I don't. I, maybe the audience was tired of her. I mean, she did have a good run in the silence. Yeah. Uh, but that was one of the reasons why she was suggested. Because her career did resemble oh, Norma, yeah. Des- Norma Desmond's career. She worked more in radio, I guess, um, after the silence. Which is even more confusing, really. Because that means she had a good voice. Yeah. I mean, you get some people that didn't make it, then you hear them talk, and you're like, well, that's why you didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't need the voice, now you do. Um, but eh, what are you going to do? But I loved, uh, I love this here. So she, so she wrote a memoir, uh, Gloria Swanson. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, she said, uh, she asked the Cooker, the director, yeah. if it was unreasonable to refuse to do a screen test. Because... She's she'd made 20 films for Paramount before. Yeah. And they wanted her to do a screen test for this. And she says, why do they want me to audition? And I guess it's, uh, in the movie, they do it. Without me, there wouldn't be any Paramount. This is what they put the line in because of because of this. Oh. <laughs> but um, she asked if it was, like, is it unreasonable? Like, should I, not, I don't want to do the screen test. Is it unreasonable for me to say, really? Yeah. And, uh, and he said, <laughs> Cougar said... <laughs> He replied that since Norma Desmond was the role for which should be remembered, if they ask you to do 10 screen tests, do 10 screen tests or I will personally shoot you. Hmm. Uh, and that convinced her <laughs> to participate. Oh, wow. So 50000 bucks she made for this movie. Did he show her the gun, too? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wilder recalled her reaction with the observation, there was a lot of Norma in her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Queen Kelly was the movie that they watched together in the movie. Oh, okay, okay. Movie uh, and it wasn't released for 50 years because Swanson walked off the set. Oh. Did he say why? No, I don't know. I, I didn't dig into it. Rude. Uh, Mont- Montgomery Clift signed on to play Joe originally, uh, but he withdrew. Oh, I'm right, looking at it right, right now. Before, right before the filming started. Um, he walked Who's, away. I have to see what they look like. Montgomery Clift. You'll know him when you see him, probably. Oh, I see like a black and white picture of him, but... I love the, the line, uh, claiming the role of a young man involved with an older woman was too close to the one he had played in The Harris, the Harris which was a year before. Uh, and infuriated Wilder responded, if he's any kind of actor, he could be convincing making love to any woman. Oh, a snap. But apparently Montgomery Clift was having an affair with an older woman at the time. Ah. <laughs> call attention to it. Um, so they got William Holden, who was great. He's so great in this movie. Yes. Um, Eric von Stroheim, um, who plays Max. He was a director back in the 20s, and he directed Gloria Swanson. Uh, apparently they had a huge argument in the movie, and he left the movie. Wait, wait, wait. Back in the silent days. Oh, okay. Not, not this one. No, no, no. Not this one. It's kind of funny. Uh, and Nancy Olsen, who plays Betty, uh, kind of a newcomer uh, at the time. And uh, she didn't do a ton else. She did uh, She did some kind of hotter choices. She did... Um, the Absent-Minded Professor? Yeah, a son of Flubber. Flubber, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then nothing. And then she just kind of was like, yeah, this isn't really working. I know. She did spark- uh, voice acting in Sparky's Magic Piano from 1987. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cecil uh, B. DeMille, who directed Swanson in, in tons of movies back when, like really did director in a lot of movies. Um, he was filmed, all the filming of DeMille is on the set of Samson and Delilah that he was filming at the time. Oh, so it's a real set. It's a real set. Oh, wow. Set. Yep. Cool. And I, I guess a note is I didn't even notice it at the time. But when, when Norma comes to visit, he calls her young fella. I noticed that, yeah. Which Cecil B. DeMille used to call Gloria Swanson. Oh, that's, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Uh, the Waxworks, <laughs> which is oh, the old-timers. Yes. Yes. Uh, Buster Keaton, Anna Q. Nielsen, and H.P. Warner, um, and Edda Hopper. Um, they were, like, contemporaries. You know, they were around Swanson. Yes. So, them all. Uh, let's see. So for the uh, the pool scene, the camera was placed inside a specially constructed box and lowered underwater, but Wilder didn't like it. Uh, it was finally achieved by placing a mirror at the bottom of the pool and filming the reflection from above with the distorted image of the policeman standing around the pool forming a backdrop. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, smart, though. I think they did the right choice because it's a really cool scene. Yes. Uh, I get a bit about the house. That they yeah, shot go, in. For it. go for it. Uh, it, was, it was not located on Sunset Boulevard, but uh, Irving Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, it was built in 1924, the cost of a quarter of a million dollars. Mm. Uh, second owner was uh, John Paul Getty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'd like to get 
think I said DuPont, but yeah, Getty. Yeah, but uh, Mrs. Getty divorced her husband and then received custody of the house, and she would rent it to Paramount for filming. Uh, the only addition was a swimming pool, which hadn't equipped was wasn't equipped uh, with the means of circulating the water, so it was useless after filming. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was uh, used in its empty condition in Rebel Without a Cause. And it was torn down in 1957. A large office building for Getty Oil was built on the site, which still stands to this day. Oh, that's interesting. So, so it was, uh, not a parking seven lot. Years, not a parking lot, yeah. Yeah, seven years. Yeah. yeah it was, that's oh, interesting. Know, seven years, yeah. So the bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, I was gonna say it's strange that it was this like opulent mansion, but it has only existed for thirty-three years. Yeah, well, I think a lot of crazy mansions were built in the twenties, and then New Hollywood. I mean, yeah. you know, and they had a lot of fucking money. It was like the richest people in the world were in Hollywood. Yeah. So, um, so the bed, uh, which is owned by the, the famous. She was an actress, a famous Parisian dancer um, who had died 30 years before. Um, the bed was in The Phantom of the Opera, the original oh. uh, Lon Chaney one. Was it uh, in the water, though? Was it what? Someone was rowing in it. That's right. Um, <clears throat> but there are some neat, neat things. So the apartment uh, at the beginning, Joe's apartment is the Alto Nido. It's a real apartment block uh, that was populated with struggling writers. Um, Gillis and Betty's, uh, scenes on the back lot were filmed in the actual back lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the interior of Schwab's drugstore, where they run into the drugstore and he buys her cigarettes. Yeah. At one point. Oh, we forgot uh, to talk about that scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, so Schwab's drugstore was a real place where people hung out, like writers and folks like that hung out. Okay. Uh, but it was gone by this time, so they actually recreated it. They like made like a giant neon sign and everything. Yeah, they recreated it. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I thought that they did that part. Um, and then one of the things I found interesting was the AIDS thing. So he wanted to make Wilder wanted to make Swanson look older. because yeah. she looked pretty good for her age. She's fifty like, in them. Is she fifty yeah. in real life? Uh, was she only fifty? Maybe in the 50s, right, at least. Well, he said 50-year-old at least once in the movie. She looked good. Like, for yeah. her age. Her skin was good. Everything was good. And, you know, for the movie, he wanted her to be older. He wanted this, there to be a more defined age difference between them. Yes. So he wanted her to, to look older. Um, and she argued that a woman like this, that has all this money... Would have taken care of herself. She might not look old. True. And she just which had is, that beauty montage. Which, I mean, she's probably like, look, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and he agreed. So they actually made uh, him look younger. A little bit younger. Any idea what the age difference in real life was between the two? I don't. You'd have to look it up. I'll look it up. I'm curious to know. Yeah. Uh, the theme for Norma Desmond was based on tango music. Uh, inspired by uh, her having danced the tango with Rudolph Val- Valentino. Oh, and he gets he gets named out a few times in the movie, the dance floor especially. Yep. And it all ties uh, in. I love it. This style was contrasted with Joe Gillis's bebop theme, which is <laughs> true. Bebop. Um, I love this score. The whole score is really good. 
Um, bah, 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 bah. Let me see if there's anything else going on in this. So she's, um, she was she yeah. was fifty. She was fifty one. He was thirty two. Okay. Um, so they had a private screening for the movie. You know, I don't think anyone knew how this was going to go over. You're kind of, you're not mocking Hollywood. I mean, it's kind of a reverence for Hollywood, really. Yeah. <clears throat> but you are kind of saying, this is what happens to the old drivers of Hollywood. Yeah. They go a little batty. Uh, but to Barbara Stanwyck, and I love Barbara Stanwyck. Um, and we mentioned Double Indemnity earlier. She's in that. Um, she she kissed the hem, the hem of Gloria Swanson's skirt. It was like, like it was an amazing movie. Oh, just to be that. Um, Swanson looked for Mary Pickford and was told she can't show herself. She's too overcome. Too over what? They, <laughs> like overcome with emotion. Like oh, they all thought it was so good. Uh, Louis B. Mayer, you know Louis B. Mayer, the famous mm. uh, famous film producer. Okay. <laughs> he berated Wilder, saying, You have disgraced the industry that made and fed you. You should be tarred and feathered and run out of Hollywood. Oh, my. Uh, Wilder apparently went up to her, went up to Mayor and said, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Literally? <laughs> That's it. Yep. Nice. Uh, May Murray, <clears throat> who was uh, kind of a contemporary of uh, Gloria Swanson, commented, None of us floozies was that nuts. <laughs> and what about uh, C.W. DeMille here? Yeah. You, I don't know if you've read about he, uh, what, he, what he got paid. No. Uh, he got paid $10,000 and he got a, in a brand new Cadillac. <laughs> and then when Wilder went back to, uh, later to secure a close up of him, DeMille charged him another $10,000. Smart. Smart yeah. man. <laughs> Smart man. Uh, to promote the film, Swanson traveled by train to 33 states or cities. See, like a train tour. Wow. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was not a huge, huge, huge hit. Uh, I mean, kind of, actually, no, it wasn't a huge critical hit. People liked it. Yeah. Um, so it has great reviews now. I mean, it's been looked at. And, um, the film itself got really, really run down uh, over the years. So all the, the prints that were available... I guess we're kind of deteriorating, and they did back in. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find it. I think it's 2002, 2012. Um, they digitally restored it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did they go for but, a long time? Yeah, it was. It's on the old. It was on the old like nitrate film. Yeah. So it was all starting to. Like the kind that would catch fire in those. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and it was starting to disintegrate. Oh, so, I, I I got a little another bit about the house. The fee for renting the house. For this mm. was for Paramount to build the, the pool. That was so, not usable. That was not usable. Yeah, it's just it's pretty funny. <laughs> no money. Just give me a pool I can't use. You think they're like, well, you know, we really want a pool. You can do a pool scene. If you build us a pool, we'll let you do it. And they were just yeah. like, do it, but don't. We're not making it functional. That's extra money. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a dick move, probably in the end, right? Hey, I think it's a smart move. Yeah. From a studio standpoint. I guess. Jesus. So I think we're running on and on. What uh let's get into uh get into our feelings of future. I mean I think I can tell you seem like you enjoyed the movie, but as someone that yes. as someone that had never seen it, first time seeing it. Yeah. Um what what were your general thoughts? Any problems with it or overall? No, I thought it was great. 
Awesome. It was really, really good. I, I like that a lot. So, um, you know, that's something that I've had on my ever-growing list of movies to watch, and now I can finally check it off the list. Uh, no, I, the Gloria Swanson's fantastic. Like, I think right. out of the, all the movies we've watched so far, this is my favorite role of anyone. She uh, it was excellent. I find it, and in, in, in repeat viewings over the years, um, I mean, I can't. I don't think I saw this movie when I was a kid. Yeah, I, the first time I saw it, I was maybe like twenty ish, um, and I've watched it a few times like, over the years. Yeah, her her role is always great. I mean, you can you can just hear her voice. Yes, um, his role. I have come to appreciate more over the years. As I watch it, um, his role gets better to me. Yeah, it's I mean, always been good, but I mean, he's he's pretty likable, and he has like tons of snappy one-liners, and he's he's just always the, saying something. Right. The dialogue, the dialogue is so good, and yeah. the, narr- the narration is so good uh, because I mean, you'll have you'll have him narrating into himself. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but it works so well. So, uh, so what would you rate it? Uh, I'm going to give this a, uh, my probably my highest rating of any movie so far. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I really liked it. Yeah. Nine and a half of anything in particular? Oh, let me see. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, nine and a half uh, pool corpses. Oh, <laughs> very, very nice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. So, yeah, I mean, I I love this movie. Um, it's it's been in my tops for a, for a long time. It's one of those movies that if, if it ever came on, I'd just start watching it. Yep. Um, one of them. Is... Yeah, it really is. I mean, Billy Wilder in general, you, you kind of can't go wrong. Really, almost every movie the man made was good. Yeah, um, <laughs> and they're all very different which is crazy but um but yeah I, I love this movie um yeah this is actually almost a perfect movie for me uh so i would give it a nine and a half as well just because uh-huh. it's ridiculous uh, <laughs> uh, but i would give it nine and a half wax works uh out of mm-hmm. ten. <laughs> nice yeah yeah really honestly i mean i can't imagine if you're still listening to this that you haven't seen it um, if so, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <all kinds. laughs> but if you haven't seen it for a while, go back and watch it again. It, it it holds up just so well, and it's such a weird, bizarre, tilted version of of old Hollywood. Um, I don't know. There's just something, but there's nothing else quite like it. Yeah, because it's kind of it's kind of seedy. And yeah, dark, definitely dark. I mean, it's, it's, it's dark, but there's an innocence to it as well, and, and you know, she, she's not a bad person. She's just kind of deluded, and she's knows. actually, and quite honestly, Max has done her no favors for however many years he's been there by oh, feeding that ego, making it worse. Yeah, he's an enabler. I mean, I think he looks at it as he's trying to spare her feelings, but he's just been for years making her think she's still relevant. Yeah, you know. And for Christ's sakes, her car is 30 years old still. The blood she is on his like, hands. It's just like the height of cars still. Yeah, she goes up, one of the seats she goes on and she's talking about how amazing the car is. You're like, motherfucker, this car is like 30 years old. Yep. And, but, 
I'd drive it. <laughs> but good. But good. I'm very, very happy you liked it. That was uh, hey. This is one of those that I really wanted to recommend. But you always have that fear of someone will go like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm like, I'm crushed. It's a great movie. Not this guy. Nice. Now I have to figure out what to... What to pick for the, for the next movie? Yes. If you don't mind, give me a second. I can always... Uh... Sun- Sunset Avenue? <laughs> no, no, no. Sunrise Avenue. Sunrise Avenue. Yeah. Nice. Let's see. <laughs> I, I think I have it. Give me one second. Moonlight Boulevard. <laughs> so I'm going to choose Out of the Past. Oh, I have, I have that. Okay. Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum. Hmm? Yes. That's I have my next that. Choice. I don't know that I've ever watched it. So, oh. yeah. My, my third in a row that you haven't seen? It could be, yeah. Uh, I don't remember if I ever watched it. But anyways, we'll uh, watch it again if that's the case, if I've already seen it. According to Wikipedia, I, film historians consider Out of the Past a superb example of film noir. Hey, that's what the show's about. It is. It's neat. And uh, two of the three things are on the movie poster here. You got a dame. And, oh, nope. She's holding a gun and a cigarette. It's all there. <laughs> oh, they're waiting for us. Oh, we didn't. We didn't know during this movie, by the way, the first appearances of things, and we also we mentioned it briefly, but I do. I just have to comment on the amazing, amazing cigarette holder that she yes. has in this movie that she uses in several scenes. But it's just a it's a ring that holds your cigarette. Well, he keeps on like mentioning it too. Like I don't think he likes it very much. No, it's kind of gross. It is. It's weird. It's- <laughs> but I do love that. But so there's certainly cigarettes. She's smoking. Oh, she has a gun. She has, I don't think there's a gun before this. She's a gun at the end. The gun comes really late in the movie, yeah. Uh, and she is, of course, a dame. So yes, yeah. So yeah, we did it. Yeah. Hey, we, cool. uh, so Instagram is just guns, guns dame, cigarettes. cigarettes. Yep, we're in the uh, part of the Dorkening Podcast Network with uh, what Kevin would call but a million other podcasts. That's true. Yeah, yeah, lots of different shows, including a couple we're on. Yeah, Secret Underground Hideout, uh, Black and White Fright, and every other Monday's main event. Yep. Yay. Very good. Well, All we right. did it. Thanks all for right tuning there. in. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we tell your friends. We'll look work. at the retire is what I was going to say. but uh, Oh, to so make, make that podcast money? Yeah, I mean, I hear... The kids say there's big bucks in these podcasting. So, that's you know. why I keep. That's why I keep uh, doing more of them. <laughs> right. One of them's gonna catch. I was. I was gonna say everyone, you know, go for a swim in their in their useless pools. <laughs> face face down. Yeah, face down. <laughs> yeah. The old dead man's float. That's right. Yeah. Uh, thanks, right. thanks for doing it, everyone. Oh boy. Guns, games, cigarettes. 